Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Praise God. Revelations chapter 12, beginning at verse number one. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Somebody say, that's Israel. Amen. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman and was ready to be delivered, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Verse 5, she brought forth the man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Verse 13, and the dragon uh, and the dragon saw that he was cast upon the earth. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Amen. And so we're going to talk and uh, preach this morning on, on what is happening. What, what does all of this mean? in biblical prophecy amen and where are we in the whole design of god in all of this where are we positioned amen how do we get ready and stay ready and prepare others for the coming of the lord that's ultimately what it's about matthew 24 the disciples asked him tell us tell us when you are coming when is all this happening and then jesus went through some of the things we're going to talk about this morning because he wanted them to be prepared. The Bible says he's returning for those who love his glorious appearing. Amen. So that means we need to be looking for his glorious appearing. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the victory and the liberty that we feel this morning. I pray that you would move through this house once again. Would you anoint me to speak your word? Anoint us to hear your word. And Lord, I pray that before all is said and done, we would have made our calling and election sure. We would have spent time in prayer and focus. Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs a miracle, if there's somebody here this morning that needs salvation or a renewal, Lord, we're praying that that would take place in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Could you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. You can be seated. Amen. I, I, I've been asked um, many times, as I talked about last week, uh, people reaching out, asking, you know, what does this mean? What do you think about this since the attack on Israel? And I want to say that really, it, it doesn't matter what I think. It really matters. What does the word of God say about all of this? Amen. And I do believe that there is a balance that has to be struck. Uh, we cannot live um, oblivious of the circumstances around us and act as if there is no global events that are happening. But at the same time, I don't think we need to be so fixated on it 
that we miss our purpose for why we are in the earth and where we are right now. There seems to be kind of two extremes on this. People that just don't look and don't, for whatever reason, they're just so caught up being blessed or whatever. They have no attention to it. And then there's the other extreme, you know, that, that you know, they're buying dry rice and MREs and, and bullets and stuff like they're getting ready to hunker down. I believe there's a balance that can be struck in there that the word of God tells us about because when Jesus was asked about this, he said that he would come swiftly, he would come as a thief in the night, amen, and that there were two walking, one taken, two sleeping, one taken, two working, one taken. In other words, he was saying that you can't be so fixated on when the time's going to happen that you don't walk and you don't work and you don't sleep. You need to be able to be productive in your current world and environment. Amen. And so th this, this message that, that, that we're talking about, the Israeli war and prophecy, uh, we talked about last week how that the Jewish people have been persecuted uh, from day one because they are God's people. And Satan, Satan hates anything that's not of God. Amen. Uh, or excuse me, anything that is of God. He wants to make everything that is of God not of God. He wants to destroy it. He wants to tear it down. And so there's always been this hatred uh, against the Jewish people because they've always been a different people. They've always been a separate people from the time that God called Abraham uh, to come out of the Ur of Chaldees. And he began to tell him, you're going to need to separate, separate yourself from your family. And then he takes them on this journey. And then uh, begins the covenant of circumcision and then begins the covenant of ceremonial law and judicial law and the dietary laws. And every aspect of Israel's life was a constant reminder to how they have separation, that they are not like any other nation because they are God's holy people. Amen. And we talk more about that on Tuesday night in our Way of Holiness series. Uh, but because his people are doing, I, I was I was listening to a podcast of a rabbi just the other day, uh, and he talked about this, and he said, you know, the Jewish people, since our history begins, the first thing God called us to do was to not be like every nation around us, and that has brought great persecution to them as a people ever since from what they eat and don't eat to what they wear and don't wear to what they say and don't say, where they go and where they don't go because God was establishing that they are a different people. Their persecution was even in Egypt at the time of the Pharaohs when they were persecuted. Haman, during the empire of Persia, which is modern day Iran, I want you to just make a note of that, that biblical Persia is modern day Iran. That's literally where Persia was as a kingdom. Amen. And, and you go through that uh, Haman wanted to dis absolutely destroy and wipe out the Jewish people and uh, sought to completely annihilate them. But I love how that God got a hold of the heart of King Xerxes and through Esther was able to flip it and the gallows that were built to kill the Jews, Haman ended up swinging from himself because God will protect his people. Can you say amen? Uh, Herod the Great, the Romans in 70 AD, Hitler and Stalin uh, tried to wipe out the Jewish people, but God has always protected his people. They are surrounded by a, uh, a, a group of nations all around them in the Middle East uh, that, that in the charter of their, uh, what would be the equivalent of our constitution, 
whether it is Egypt, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, any of the neighboring countries have in their charter, they want to destroy Israel and wipe Israel off the face of the, uh, of the earth. And, and the question is simply, there's two questions that have to be asked in the modern day conflict. If what would make, what would happen what would happen if the Palestinians who are backed by Iran and Hezbollah out of Syria, what would happen if the Palestinians laid down all their weapons today, did not fire another shot? I'll tell you what would happen. Peace. Peace would happen. What would happen if Israel laid down their arms today? They'd be annihilated. That's the difference. One is set out on utter destruction of the Jewish people and the other is set out to live in peace to where God has given them the land. Remember, this is 3,000 years old. Their borders have been drawn by God, not by man, not by the UN. They've been drawn by God. They're an ancient people that were called of God to live in that time. And it has a lot of bearing on us because they are physical Israel, natural Israel. But as the Bible has taught us, uh, man, we are spiritual Israel. Amen. We have been grafted in to the old root system. We are the new vine of the old root system. Amen. This is why Paul and the apostles would constantly remind us, amen, you can't do away with the Jewish heritage that we have because it is our schoolmaster. They were given to us for our examples and how we are to live today, and how we are to have a relationship with God today. And so Israel, this tiny little sliver of land in the Middle East, um, is about the size of the state of New Jersey. I want you to think about how small that little strip of land is, about the size of New Jersey. And literally from every side, they have missiles and weapons of destruction pointed at them, uh, rockets and uh, mortars and all of these things pointed at Israel because they want to destroy Israel. Why? What has the Jewish people done that is so bad? Well, according to all of their enemies, they just breathe. They're the only people on earth that are wanted, they, that, that millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of people want to exterminate simply because they breathe. The only group of people like that. Amen. So if Israel lays down its weapons, there won't be peace. It'll be another holocaust. What happened just a couple of weeks ago has been the greatest loss of life, according to the Israeli government, the greatest loss of life and the most barbaric loss of life since the holocaust by the, uh, by the Nazis. And so we need to take note of that and understand if Palestine lays down their arms, there'll be peace in the Middle East. But if Israel lays down their arms, they will be annihilated. They are hated. Why? Because they're God's people. They're God's chosen people. Amen. And, and God said they were the apple of my eye. I talked about last week the growing anti-Semitism anti that is growing rampant across the United States. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, and you need to strike a balance there too, because uh, watching too much of the news is about like drinking bleach. It, it just, it's kind of hard to handle. Uh, but if you have noticed the global, the global outcry against Israel. Now I'm going to say some things that, that 
you, that maybe people won't like, but they're going to be true. All right? So I don't have a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. But look at Europe right now. Look at London and Paris. The protests, the pro-Palestinian protests. Folks, we are at a global civil war intersect right now. Israel, uh, uh, excuse me, Europe, these nations, uh, Britain, France, Italy, opened their doors and said, let them all in. Unverified. Millions upon millions of Muslim men who hate Western ideas, hate it. All fighting age went into those countries. Not a lot of women and children, fighting age men. And now they're protesting. I find it quite ironic. We're seeing the same thing happen in the United States. The pro-Palestinian push. I was somewhat humored that they showed yesterday that at the March on Washington for against Israel, the anti-Semitic march, that's what it is, that were carrying their Palestinian flags. Among them was ISIS flags. Nobody said anything in that march. And then they did a call to prayer to everybody that was there. But I don't know where the feminists were because the Muslims told all the women to go to the back. They could only pray at the back. Nobody said anything. One showed up in Europe, uh, in, I believe it was in Britain, with the uh, tra pro-transgender flag and was almost beat to death in the Palestinian march. They don't understand they're making an alliance with a people that will kill you if they get a chance. There is an absolute powder keg about to erupt across the world. And it's all because Israel wants to be a nation. If you wiped the Israeli nation off the map is the only thing that would bring satisfaction to the Palestinians and to the Arab countries of the Middle East. We've got to understand that God placed the Jewish people on this earth for a reason. And when it comes to Israel, the Bible says and lets us know that, that it is God's focal point of end time prophecy that we can watch what is happening in, happening in Jerusalem and in Israel and it will be a, a time clock as it were for us. Amen. But God said that Jerusalem would be an unmovable or an immovable rock for all nations who tried to move it the Bible said would injure themselves. Amen. I am so glad that David wrote and said, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. I'm glad that my God is awake. Amen. He is keeping physical Israel and he is keeping spiritual Israel. Can you say amen? And, and don't be suckered into, now I know I'm doing a lot of teaching this morning. Don't be suckered into the idea that if somebody takes a stance against the Muslim world, it's because of race. It has nothing to do with race. It's not anti-any, it's, it's the ideology of Islam 
that wants to wipe out the Jewish people and the Judeo-Christian values in the Western world. And we need to understand that God said, the people that protect Israel, I will protect them. And the people that bless Israel, I will bless them. But the people that curse Israel, will I curse. I am so thankful that I serve a God that says, I will stand with you if you will stand with me. And I believe God is standing with Israel today. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that Israel, it prophesied, would be scattered but would be regathered. The Bible tells us in the end times uh, that Israel would be scattered around the world, but then they would be regathered. They'd be regathered back as a people in 1948. This has happened, and this really was and is the sign of the prophetic time clock as it begins uh, to tick. Amen. The end time prophecy about uh, Magog and Iran. Uh, the, the regathering of Israel is pictured in, I, uh, in Ezekiel 37. I don't have time to go into all of it, but all the bones that are coming back together. And then in the next, next chapter, chapter 38, God pictures Israel being attacked from both from the north by a major power that is accompanied uh, by many allies, more specifically 10 allies. If you go and study out Daniel's prophecy and of Daniel's 70 weeks, you understand uh, that the king of the north, there's four kings, the king of the north, is this all right this morning? The king of the north, the king of the south, the king of the east, and the king of the west. And you understand that those kings are represented by empires or nations. King of the north, amen. I, I believe and most, most people believe that the king of the north is Russia, amen. And that Gog and Magog have been identified with Russia and her Middle East allies. Persia, which is modern day Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Uh, and then their allies through Egypt and Sudan and Libya. Amen. These countries around the Black Sea, Syria and Turkey. Amen. They are all faced against Israel. And you're going to see an aligning, as the Bible said, uh, that the king of the north will ally with the king of the east. And the king of the north is Russia. And the king of the east is China, and they will come together and make allies with the 10 Arab countries around Israel. And then they would try to bring peace, but it would ultimately bring a war. I don't, I don't have time to get into all of the details of that, but we understand that it is a forerunner of the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Amen. We are seeing it put in place now as the Arab countries are trying to put pressure on everyone else to, to not stand with Israel, to not back them. Uh, uh, countries such as Iran and Saudi Arabia are now threatening the West and saying that if you stand with Israel, we're going to cut off your oil supply, we're going to cut off your energy supply, or we're going to make it unaffordable to you. And to that I laugh and say, you haven't been to California and seen how unaffordable it is already. Amen. We live with unaffordability in gas and fuel. Amen. And, 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 and they're going to align and they're going to do all of these things and they're going to try to come together and they're going to try to overtake and it's going to start a third and final global world war. The current attack on Israel right now, I don't believe is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37 and 38. Amen. But I believe it is a forerunner of Ezekiel 37 and 38. And so the question would be, uh, what is coming next? Well, what's coming next is a bigger conflict and a global conflict according to the Bible. The war will spread east and north. Max Abrams said, quote, the war will most likely spread. It will spread into the West Bank. It already is. And 
could spread into Israel's northern border, and it already is, as Hezbollah is already rockets into Israel, and could cause an enormous amount of destruction in southern Lebanon and Syria. Saudi Arabia and Israel share the same adversary, Iran. As much as Saudi Arabia hates Israel, and Israel's not fond of Saudi Arabia, they both hate Iran equally. And so, as the um, old uh, founding father said, uh, politics makes strange bedfellows. Amen. And so, Saudi Arabia, like Israel, has been struck by Iran-backed terrorists. Amen. Uh, Abram said, if this does become an open conflict, Israel and Iran could actually strengthen Saudi ties. Abram says he doesn't see Israel requesting uh, as much as U.S. support as we may think unless the war widens to a conflict head-on with Iran, according to Cynthia M. Hibbert of Northeastern Global News. In other words, what they are saying is, is that the kings or the kingdoms or the nations of the world are strategically aligning themselves against the nation of Israel. Amen. The, the, the Hamas attacks have tragically been funded uh, by U.S. dollars. You can go ahead and track it back to where um, our current president thought it was a great idea to give Iran eight or nine billion dollars and was warned by military and by uh, uh, global think tank places that if you give that money to Iran, they are going to funnel that money into Palestinians and to Hamas. And exactly what was said would happen has happened. And we are seeing that bolstering of arms in the conflict as Iran, modern day Persia, is fueling the fires of anti-Semitism in a war on the border. The Wall Street Journal reported on October 8th that, quote, Iran helped plot an attack on Israel over several, several weeks. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps gave the final go-ahead last Monday in Beirut. Other news agencies around the world have confirmed this very thing, that Iran used the money that we gave them to funnel weapons and supplies into Hamas and tell them that it's okay, go ahead, we've got your back. Go ahead and start firing rockets onto Israel. Iran's primary goals are to prevent a deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel through what we know as the Abraham Accords and to sow disarray through throughout the region. Another goal is to marginalize the Palestinian Authority and elevate Hamas, thus making a two-state solution impossible. It's not Hamas and Hezbollah calling the shots in the terrorism right now. It is Iran calling the shots in terrorism. And you may say, well, Pastor, what has all this geopolitical thing got to do with me? Because the Bible predicted that these things would happen, that the kings of the east, amen, would gather together with the kings of the north to try and come against Israel. The only way to stop Hezbollah and, and, and Hamas is to treat Iran as the attacker. That's what they are saying, Alan Dershowitz and Andrew Stein, saying the only way to stop these attacks is to turn on Iran and push back. Amen. But the global political positioning of nations around the world, amen, pulling their hands up and saying we don't want anything to do with it or involving themselves in the wrong way has brought a nuclear arms race in the Middle East. 
October 7, 2023, approximately 5,000 missiles and ground invasions has killed many Christians and, and killed many Israelis and has a lot of us in America and Christians around the, war, around the world asking, is this war a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? And that's what this message is looking at and has looked at is that this is being positioned for Jesus Christ to make his return to this earth. I want to say unapologetically and emphatically that we believe in the rapture of the church as described in the word of God. We are looking for the second coming. We are looking for Jesus Christ to return to this earth and take his bride out of here. Amen. We are close to the end of days upon this earth. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because that means that the church of Jesus Christ is triumphant and Jesus is keeping his word that he's going to take us out of here. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we watched the barbaric attacks by, by Hamas as they parachuted in. And, and if you want to see the decay of the educational system in this world, look at Harvard as they promoted the, uh, the terror attacks against Israel. And they called for the defense of Hamas. Amen. They have strategically planted, amen, if you would, sleeper cells throughout not only politics but in education and energy industries and all of these places around the world because the enemy knows the Bible says that his time is short and he only has a little while to work but I believe that Jesus Christ is setting the stage right now for the greatest comeback that has ever been known in the history of mankind I believe the church is about to have the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost I believe we are about to see God draw in the lost from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. How many believe that? I believe that Jesus is about to do something that we've only dreamed of, that we've only read about, that's only been prophesied, because we are looking at God's time clock in Israel, and we understand the hour is 11.59, and Jesus is about to come back. Amen. Amen. Now, now, I know this is a lot to handle, amen, for a Sunday morning, but you know what? We're not the typical little milk-soaked uh, toast uh, church out there. We can handle Bible teaching and Bible preaching. If we can't, I don't know how we're going to make it through the next few years before the Lord comes back. Amen. Somebody said, well, you can't talk political things in the pulpit. Well, the Bible did. What, well, what about the Constitution and the separating of church and state? It's not in there. Jesus is about to come and take his church out of this world. But before he does, there's going to be the greatest outpouring of his spirit that the history of this world has ever seen. One more thrust of the sickle into the wheat field of the harvest. One more opportunity, amen, for the church to reap a harvest, amen, a global harvest before Jesus comes back to this earth and takes his Gentile bride out of here, amen. You, you, you wonder why we push so much for missions and why we talk so much for missions. It's because the gospel must be preached to the whole world, amen. And I believe everybody from the Philippines to the Congo, amen, from, the, from Austria all the way 
way down to Ecuador need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, as well as Canada and North America. I believe that God is getting ready to see his church experience the latter house revival and the latter rain revival that will trigger the second coming of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now, I have a slide. I'm going to have them put up in just a moment that will show you kind of a timeline, a scriptural timeline, and you can visualize it about where we are and about what is ahead. And uh, I, I don't want to deviate too much uh, from the thought, but I want, I want to give you a visual idea of what the Bible says about the end time. Now, we are right now in something that is called the uh, present church age. Everybody say the church age. That means we're in the dispensation of grace. That means if you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want to be lost, you can be lost. We are in that time and in that dispensation of grace. Amen. And we are setting to where, as a matter of fact, you can go ahead and put up the graph. Uh, we are setting right here at the present church age. I kind of wish I had a, a big old thing and I had a laser. I could point at everything. But there's a big red sign that says, you are here. Somebody point at it and say, I am there. Amen. We are at the very end of this present church age. If you're going to be saved before the rapture of the church, you've got to get saved now. Before Jesus comes. You don't want to be left here after Jesus takes his church out of here. Because after that, you see that yellow line that says the rapture of the church? Amen. After that is the seven-year tribulation. Everybody say seven-year tribulation. This is based on Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy that is given. Amen. In Daniel's prophecy, um, the word of the Lord speaks to us, not just Israel, but to us as spiritual Israel on some things that we can, uh, we can look at to know that the time of the end is at hand. And let me just, let, let me just give you, uh, let me give you three of them real fast. Uh, Daniel 12 and 4 says, in, in the last days, uh, knowledge shall increase. Uh, one translation says, in the time of the end, that knowledge shall rapidly increase. We have made a, what is called the 500-year leap, uh, or the 100-year leap, that in the last 100 years, technology has advanced so much more than the last five to 6,000 years of recorded human history. Amen. I want you to think about it. Our grandparents, our grandparents and great-grandparents, our great-grandparents, well, for most of us, rode in horse and buggies. Our grandparents, a lot of them, I, I had a grandmother that, when she was a child, rode in a mule-pulled wagon. A lot of your grandparents can remember seeing their first telephone, listening to the radio for the first time, seeing their first television. Seeing airplanes for the first time. Knowledge has increased. There has never been a more rapid advancement of technology than what we've seen in the last 100 years. You could arguably say the last 120 to 130 years. And the Lord told Daniel, seal up the prophecy. Because at the time of the end, before it is unsealed, knowledge is going to increase very rapidly. And we're seeing the rapid I mean, think about it. Uh, when, when I was a kid, there wasn't cell phones. 
That seems like a million years ago. I, you know, as much as I don't like cell phones, I couldn't imagine living without one. Knowledge shall increase. Uh, I, I, I can remember having to use MCI calling cards. How many remember those? MCI, Sprint, AT&T, South Bell, Mall Bell, different calling cards you had to use to be able to, to make phone calls long distance. You couldn't just pick up the phone and call long distance. You had to get a, somebody to do that. You had to get a card. To, I know it sounds crazy, but that, that was just 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, look at, even in my parents' age, look how far technology has come along. Everybody's got a cell phone now. 20 years ago, it was a luxury. Somehow now it's become a right. They just give them away. Everybody gets a smartphone. They don't give them a flip phone. They give them a smartphone. Think about that. How much knowledge has increased just like that. It, we call it a phone, but being a phone is the least function that it does. It's a supercomputer. The average car on the road now has more technology today than the spaceship that landed on the moon and returned back. Your car has more computing power than the spaceship that landed on the moon. Well, if you believe in that. <laughs> or had enough technology to get them to the lot in Hollywood to make it look real. Whatever you want to believe. <laughs> Knowledge has increased. Yeah. Rapidly increased. Amen. Somebody said, if I, if I wake up in eternity and there's cell phones, I know I missed heaven. <laughs> Amen. We, we've got all the information we can want in the palm of our hand. You, you don't even need a computer anymore. You just need a phone. I can remember when, when studying those very few times I did at school as a kid, I remember having to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. I remember having to lift those books out of there and, and always hated it if like H and I were together because some of I was with J and you had to figure out which book it was in. And you had to find it. And if you wanted more, you had to find other different kind of encyclopedias that were, now it's just in my phone. I don't even have to look for it. All I got to do is ask and I'm not going to say it because she'll start talking. And she'll look it up for me. And present me with that information. I can tell her to send it to everybody in this room. I don't even have to move a muscle. It'll do it for us. Technology has rapidly increased. And Daniel prophesied that it would. As a matter of fact, prophesied, amen, it was also prophesied of cars. Y'all are going, no. Nahum chapter 2 verse 4. In the New King James, it says it like this. The chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They sing like torches. They run like lightning. They sing like torches. Smoke, flames. God, I don't know what model he saw. They move like lightning. Chariots didn't move like lightning. They moved at a whopping 10, 12 miles an hour if you had it loaded down and going fast. And there was the prediction. What about modern air warfare? It was prophesied in the Bible. 
It was prophesied by Isaiah in specifically talking about the protection of Israel in Isaiah 31 and 5. He said birds, this is what he saw, birds flying about. So the Lord of hosts will defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it, passing over. He shall preserve it. Amen. When the enemies of Israel came against Israel after the Second World War, amen, they, they were moving in to try to take the land. And one of the commanding generals uh, of the opposing army said, we looked up and we saw airplanes flying over encircling Israel and Jerusalem like birds. And they, a lot of those soldiers had never seen airplanes before. And when they looked up and they said, quote, the, eye, the sky was filled with birds that were swarming around Jerusalem, God defended it. The Bible predicts all of these things and the Bible has also predicted that in the last days there is going Going to be a great outpouring of God's spirit and you and I we get to be a part of it can you say amen, amen. <clears throat> the Bible also says a lot of other things about in, in the last days amen it talked about Noah in, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 24 I, I'm not going to go read all of it I gave it to him I'll, I'll read some of it uh, Jesus said it like this. He said, uh, as he sat down upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us when these things shall be. What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Everybody say the end of the world. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is Matthew 24, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrow. Go down to verse number 11. And many false prophets shall arrive and sh arise and shall deceive many. Listen to me. The size of the auditorium does not determine the truth of what's being preached in the pulpit. As a matter of fact, it's safe to say that if it is 10 and 20, 30,000 people in there, probably safe to say they're a false prophet. They shall deceive many. And the love of many shall wax cold. But he, shall, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations. And then shall the end come. And then you go down to verse 29. And Jesus talks about the coming of the Son of Man. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the, shall the sun be darkened and the moon not give her light and the stars shall uh, fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken and, and it goes on down and I, I can talk I, I could literally read the rest of the chapter amen but he says in verse 42 watch therefore for ye know not hour know not what hour your Lord doth come watch because you know not hour that your Lord is to come he just told them the seasons but he didn't tell them the hour he said here's the seasons I can't tell you the hour, but I'm going to tell you the season. Every season that Jesus mentioned that would be a sign of his return to the earth. We are living in those seasons right now. If you'll go back to the timeline graph, 
<clears throat> you see that we are here. We're at the end of the church age. We're at, everybody say the end of the church age. Amen. When the church is raptured out of here, that's the end of the church age. Then begins the seven years of tribulation. You don't want to be left here for that. The Bible does indicate, and this is hotly debated, whether some people will be able to be saved after the rapture of the church that remain. It's, it's a hotly debated topic even among us. But if you are going to be, for those that believe it, it means you will have to be martyred. It means you will have to give your life and not give in to the Antichrist system that is already being established on the earth right now. This world has never been more prepared for an Antichrist system than we are right now. When Jesus raptures his church out of here, it's going to begin the seven-year tribulation. The first three and a half years will be the beginning of sorrows. The last three and a half years will be the great tribulation. When the church is raptured, there's the judgment seat of Christ. We will go stand before the Lord. Amen. And he will say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. There's a marriage supper that we're going to take place in for seven years. <clears throat> While the earth is going through hell, we're going to be in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb celebrating with Jesus Christ. At the end of that seven years here, it's going to seem like just a moment up there. We're going to come back with Christ. Now, we, we often talk about <clears throat> the rapture as the second coming. And, and I guess you could interchange it, but if being technically, and, and sometimes I do, but if you're being technical, the second return of Christ is at the end of the seven years. The first is the rapture. The second will be when we come back with Christ. When Christ returns, he will defeat the armies of this world. He will defeat sin. He will defeat Gog and Magog will win the battle of Armageddon. You and I will be with Christ, by the way. And that will begin the millennial reign. And Christ shall establish his kingdom on the earth. Is this making sense? I, mean, a lot of, I think a lot of times we uh, hear all this and trying to put it all together, but this is what it looks like. When we come back with Christ, this is the true second return of Christ. When we come back, as armies riding with Christ to the earth, we will come and lay siege to the earth. And Christ will set up his kingdom where? On earth, but where? Where? Jerusalem. I think we ought to pay attention to it. He will set up his throne in Israel, in Jerusalem. Amen. And you and I will get to rule and reign with him. Those who are blood washed, those who are caught away in the rapture of the church are going to come back to rule and reign with Christ. You will be governors and ministers and you will rule and reign on the earth with Christ. That's what the Bible says. There will be a, a millennial, a, a thousand years of peace, the Bible says, that even the lion and the lamb will lay down together because they will be so at peace. And then at the end of that thousand years will be the final judgment. Amen. Where God will judge the wicked and then after that will be eternity throughout which we will spend with the Lord. Folks, we are at that red line right now, that red dot right now, where the signs of his return are now upon us. The sign, the season of his return has now been made clear to us.
and it is time that he is going to catch his bride out of here. You don't want to be left here when Jesus comes to take his church away. Amen. You say, Pastor, are you using that as a scare tactic? Only if it works. <clears throat> people say, well, Pastor, we ought not scare people. That's not what Jude said. And I'm not, my intent is not to scare you. My intent is to give you a clear picture of what Bible prophecy looks like. How many can say, I see the seasons that Jesus was talking about happening right now. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, famine. All of these things are going to come about. And the Bible said that in the midst of all of this, amen, they will cry peace and safety. And then will enter in the man of sin, which some call the Antichrist. He will step in and, and the Jews will call him Messiah. And this will begin the seven and a half year, the seven years of tribulation as he brings peace. But they they do not realize that he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He will turn on them in the great tribulation in the second half of the years, or the second half of the uh, seven years will begin the abomination of desolation. Amen. I, I'm not going to go into that today for this reason right here. I don't plan on being here for that. I don't plan on being here for the abomination of desolation. I don't plan on being here for the mark of the beast. I don't plan on being here for all of that stuff. I plan on being with the Lord Jesus. I plan on being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't plan on being on this earth. I plan on being with you in heaven, rejoicing with the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <clears throat> Amen. So what does this all mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Get ready. When you see all these things come to pass, don't be troubled. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes for your redemption is drawing nigh. When we see all of these things coming to pass, listen to me, church. We, we don't need to chew our fingernails off and panic, amen, and find a bunker to hide in. We need to look up and say, Jesus is coming soon. I need to tell somebody about the love of God. I need to tell somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. It's amazing. I've said this many times. We used, they used to preach about this all the time when I was growing up. They preached about the rapture all the time. It, was on a, it seemed like on a weekly basis, it was mentioned from the pulpit. Somebody was going to talk about it and say, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming back to claim his bride. He's coming to take us out of this world. Jesus said, I come in an hour that you think not. My Lord, it must be this hour. We, we, we want to get fixated on the blessing and how can I be comfortable in this world? Listen, this world is not my home. This world is not your home. Our home is somewhere else. Our home is in New Jerusalem. Our home is somewhere beyond the blue because Jesus has prepared a place for those who have made preparation for him in their life. Listen to me this morning. There's nothing that is worth missing heaven over. I read an illustration some time ago. And there was a Christian doctor in London who wanted to get the attention of an employee in his house. It was a, a butler that lived there, a servant. <clears throat> One night, this doctor explained to him from the scripture of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. He told him, he said to the young man, the Bible said the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to take the church out of here. He explained that the rapt, about the rapture and that 
all the believers in Christ who have been born again of water and of spirit covered in the blood are going to be removed from the earth and taken to heaven to be with the Lord and then the doctor says he says John when the Lord comes you can have my home the young man was surprised and he got really excited then the doctor added and you know what not only can you have my home but uh, you can also have my brand new Mercedes car in the driveway he said as a matter of fact in my safe I'm going to put a combination to my safe under my desk and when I'm gone you go in the safe and it has all the papers to my bank account you can have all the money that's in my bank account everything that I have it's yours John the young man could only grasp at this his eyes welled up with tears and he smiled and he said thank you thank you so much later that night alone in bed John began to think if the doctor and all the other people that have been born again have gone to heaven and I'm left out what good is this car in this house and all this money going to do me finally he couldn't take it anymore and he ran up the stairs and he banged on the bedroom door of the doctor and explained that he would much rather go in the rapture than to have all of these possessions and values here on earth and before the next morning a man John was sitting at a table getting a Bible study about being born again of the water and the spirit and preparing himself for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's my question. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? The Bible lets us know that some things float and some things don't float. What are you talking about? Well, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. See, what didn't float in the days of Noah still don't float today. But what floated in the days of Noah is the only thing that's going to float when Jesus comes back. In other words, the ark was the only way that people could be saved from the flood that destroyed the whole earth. The only thing that could float was not people, it was that ark. The whole earth went down except that ark. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, in the hours of the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, if you want to be saved, you got to get on the boat now. If you want to get deliverance from the flood, you've got to get on the ark now. If you want to be saved from sure destruction, the only way to do it is get on the ark today. Would you stand with me? The ark was the only way, the only way that you could be saved in the flood of Noah. And Jesus literally said it in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the hours of the coming of the Son of Man. For they were married and given in marriage, they were eating and drinking and being merry. We have an oblivious world right now. But I'm standing like a Noah in this pulpit this morning saying, are you ready for the rapture of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for what's going to happen when that trumpet sounds? Amen. You say, well, I, I go to this church. I, 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 maybe you're watching online and say, well, I'm a good person. I'm saying, no. Are we ready to meet Jesus? 
if the rapture were to take place today, would you be on the ship of Zion? Would you be on the ark? Amen. The Bible says that Noah and his family were saved by water. Amen. I'm telling you, the only thing that can save you from your sin is Jesus Christ's blood. Amen. Being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Being baptized in His name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And to those of you that have already obeyed that biblical plan of salvation, I would simply ask you this question. Then the next thing that Jesus likened it unto was the parable of ten virgins. Five wise and five foolish. Are your lamps filled with all? Are you ready for the bridegroom to return to this earth? Amen. I, I, I know this morning it would be easy to say well, that was a good lesson on biblical prophecy, Pastor, but we're all saved. But the Bible said he's coming for a bride who has not spot and has not wrinkle. That means he is looking, he is coming back for a bride that has chastened herself, that has prepared herself. Have you made your preparation for the coming of the Lord? I want you to pray with me right now. I feel his presence in this place. Come on, I want you to pray with me this morning. Jesus, I ask you today. <laughs> come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house right now. Lord, we want to make our calling and our election sure. Lord, I pray right now for everyone in this house this morning. Come, <clears throat> as the winds of prophecy have begun to blow. In the name of Jesus, as everything, the seasons and the sign of the time has come upon us. Lord, you said that your church needs to make herself ready. You said to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You declared to us that we need to be looking and watching and waiting for your return. I pray for everyone in this house, right? Everyone watching online. Lord, I pray that we would all be ready at that moment that you are calling us to take us out of this world. Lord, we pray for the conflicts that are happening around the world and even in our own nation right now. But Lord, we know these are all signs pointing to your return. Lord, I'm praying for the city of Woodland and Yolo County and the state of California. God, pour out your spirit in the greatest way. Lord, give us a revival that you promised us. Give us the outpouring that you declared. Come on, lift up your voice and begin to pray, brother. Pray for the harvest. said pray the Lord, Lord of the harvest that he would send forth the laborers into this field come on I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest right now in the name of Jesus I don't want to just be caught away I want to see this place to capacity when the rapture takes place I want to see your family saved I want to see your co-workers saved and then we want to see the drug addict set free we want to see the deliverance of the alcoholic Broken homes being mended. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to feel the urgency of the hour. Jesus stood at the edge of the city, and the Bible said he wept and said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, you missed the hour of your visitation. Jesus wept in that day, praying for the city of Jerusalem. I wonder if there's anybody that could find enough of a burden for the city of Woodland to begin to weep for this city. Can you find enough burden in the spirit to weep and pray for your family and your neighbors and your co-workers? In the name of Jesus, I'm excited about the rapture, but I 
thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.